Hello, my friends. Welcome to Pensive Politics of Mr. Watson. I am most certainly, forever and eternally, your host, Christian Watson. It is so phenomenal to be with you guys here today. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday edition of the show. So as I always mention to you guys, I have a lot of irons in the fire. And if you are a new viewer here, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I haven't done a show in a week or so. Not because I have not been trying, but just because I have... Pensive politics has recently come under such immense attention and support by some pretty major players. And that has really edified me and has really helped me continue my ambitions. But a part of continuing your ambitions is being able to prepare for the future. And sometimes preparing for the future necessitates trade-offs and it will take time. So in my hiatus from the show, I have been posting a video every single day on my YouTube channel. If you are not familiar with my YouTube channel, if you're a fan of this podcast, I would hope you are by now. Um, my YouTube channel is called Christian Watson. You just type Christian Watson into youtube.com, into the search bar on youtube.com. My channel will come up. Um, I have been doing a video there every single day. And recently I did a video, and we'll talk about this on the podcast today. I did a video with Gothics, Vanessa, who is a YouTuber, a walkaway YouTuber who has over a hundred and now 150,000 subscribers now, I think. She had 140 something when I was on there a week ago. And we basically talked about my experiences as a collegiate debater with critical race theory and with racially wokeness, racial wokeness in the debate space, essentially. So that's what I have been doing. I have been doing those interviews, those collaborations. I've been doing videos every single day. But this podcast is very important as well. It's actually incredibly important as well, which is why I'm very happy to announce that Pensive Politics is now a part of the Bold TV, the Bold TV media network. So I recently signed a contract with Bolt TV. Obviously, I cannot tell you all the details, but I signed a contract with them. And Pensive Politics is now a part of their integrated media network, which means that essentially you're going to see the Bolt TV brand on our Pensive Politics brand. You're going to see a lot of different um, uh, of different folks from the Bolt TV network come on the show. You're just it's, it's going to be excellent. It's going to be excellent, and I must thank Bull TV for taking a bet on a 20-year-old guy who is trying to make this work. Because up until now, I have been doing this podcast all by myself. I have been trying to book guests all by myself. I have been trying to monetize all by myself. I have been trying to do an episode every single day all by myself, and we will talk about scheduling in a moment as well. But this has been an experiment in the philosophy of politics that I have taken up in a Herculean, a Herculean effort to exert upon the world and to, and to manifest in its greatness. So that is the big news. That is why I have not been doing very much uh, on the podcast because I've just been preparing my brand for that. Uh, the website address will be christianjwatson.com. Just period. So when the website goes up, it'll go up in a few days. It is Wednesday today. I suspect that I will have it up by the weekend. It'll go up by the weekend, and when it goes up, I hope that each and every one of you go and you um, look at it and you give me your feedback. Again, if you want to leave feedback for the Pensive Politics uh, team, 
which is basically just me at the moment, uh, or you want to leave feedback for me in general, please go to officialcwatson.gmail.com and just leave any feedback you want to. I love receiving your fan mail. I love receiving, receiving your emails. I've had some very, 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 very touching emails. I have some emails that I have not responded to yet, unfortunately, uh, that I need, I need to get to. But I've just I've received a lot of very great emails on that email address, and it blesses me immensely. Um, and really, that's what this is. This thing is entirely about pensive politics and being pensive is not just about being able to be different from people in certain political context. It's not about being showy, showing with with your intelligence or whatever. Being pensive is a, is this introspective quality that urges you towards a higher condition. You see what I'm saying? That's what it means to be pensive. That would it mean. When I say at the end of the show, stay pensive, I mean, guys, you need to always be vivaciously and critically looking at the world. That's not to say be a uber hyper-sceptical person who is going to reduce everything in the world down to suspicion and to, uh, and to mistrust. That's no way to live. You don't live that way. There are constants in this universe that can be known, uh, can be deduced, and can be seen. Their effects can be seen. This is a world that exists with constants that exist with principles. So I, all I'm saying is that it is important for you to think lively and to think critically whenever you're presented, especially in the context of politics, especially. These days, most folks don't want to think critically or even lively. They want to be sterile and they want to be subservient uh, to the dominant political narratives of whatever camp they're in. It's a kind of pernicious tribalism that I have been trying to fight day in and day out. And thankfully, we have more media partners who are with us on this fight, who are with us going against the grain, who are with us in our efforts to ensure a more pensive and more thoughtful dialogue. And so God bless all of our all of our fans, God bless all of our sponsors. Just thank you guys so much. It's a blessing. Your support's a blessing, truly. Um, so today is not going to be really a new show. Um, we're going to talk more about the new changes to Pensive Politics, um, the expanding brand that I have. We're going to talk more. We're going to talk a little bit about the vaccines, a little bit about the vaccines. Um, not too much though, because uh, I want to save the new show for like a full new show, and that that'll be on Friday. And uh, I have some news. We have Spike Cohen, the uh, Libertarian vice presidential candidate, Spike Cohen uh, of 2020. He is going to be on our show. He'll be on Sunday. So look out for that show Sunday around 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm very excited. Spike Cohen's wonderful. Um, you guys may not agree with Spike Cohen. He is an anarchist. That's his own word. He's an anarcho-capitalist. And personally, I that's not my ideology. That's not my kind of ideology. But I, I, I think every ideology has things we can learn from it. So even if you're not into the idea of anarchy or whatever, I'm not personally, but I'm into the idea of growing and, and being edified as a, as, a, as a learning individual. And so maybe there are some things that we can learn from ideologies that we deem unrealistic or crazy. So when I, when I, I, and I intend to have a lot of people on pensive politics who I don't necessarily agree with. I'm looking to have a Zoltan Ostevan, the head of the Transhumanist Party of America, who believes that we can transcend the human condition with technology. I, I disagree with that assertion on many levels. I think that it is one of the most dangerous assertions that you can make. It's one of the most, uh, uh, one of the most sort of auxiliary assertions, assertions made in the appearance that they can help us that come from a lack of understanding of the human condition and an unappreciation of 
the nature of the human being. So I have a lot of issues with the, the transhumanist position. But I would love to talk to Zotan about it. This is about, again, engaging in the philosophy of politics and thereby understanding human interaction. So that you, you'll see a lot of that kind of stuff on my channel, on this podcast, on the website. We are 60 episodes in, my friends. Now, there are, in truth, there are like a few more than that. There are some episodes I haven't, I had not uploaded to the mainframe uh, on my, 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 my main platforms. So there are some episodes that you will not see, unfortunately. Uh, but those were a long time ago, and I have been uploading every single episode. So you're getting a complete picture of Pensa Politics. You're just getting it a little bit more of a different sense. Um, so there were episodes that were YouTube only that I, I mean, I don't know which ones those were. I had to look back, but still, if you, you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, you are listening to the Pensa Politics program, and you have a pretty complete picture of what it looks like. You have a pretty complete picture of what exactly that looks like. Um, and the website will have an archive of all my episodes. It will have an archive of all my videos. It'll have an archive of all my articles. It'll also have an about me page. It'll have all the places I've appeared on. Like my website will be the place where you can become a fan of Pensive Politics. My website will be the core place. I won't make a, po a website for Pensive Politics just because I think that's redundant. I will, po podcasts don't talk. People on podcasts talk. I am on the podcast and therefore I am talking. Or I'm talking and I'm on the podcast, therefore I'm the person on the podcast talking. So that's what I want you guys to pay attention to. Don't pay attention to the pot. Pay attention to me, so to speak. Um, that's what I want you guys to pay attention to. Because in truth, it's not a logo you're interacting with. It's not an institution you're interacting with. It's a person. It's me. This is a one-man show, man. <laughs> it's a one-man show. A one-man show. And well, as for the conversation with Gothics that I mentioned earlier, a few minutes ago, there are not a lot of places that I can go and share my experiences as a collegiate debater. Because a lot of places, especially in academia, a lot of those places are just overwhelmed with a certain political position. They are just overwhelmed with a certain sense of being. They are just overwhelmed with this kind of stuff. And so if you have a place that is overwhelmed with a certain sentiment, it's hard to break in, even if the people, even if the people proclaim to be open-minded, especially with how sentiments are formulated these days. A lot of times sentiments are formulated these days with a degree of a, ter a, a degree of terminal um, of terminal quality to them. When I say a terminal quality, I mean a degree of being drastic. Most views, especially on the left these days, are formulated with the idea that politics is th a thing that is inherently tied to my life. Politics is a thing that is inherently tied to my being. Politics is a force that can mold and shape human beings. That is a sort of paganistic notion of a lot of people, especially on the left. 
Of course, there are folks on the right that do this all the time as well. Um, but I think the left does it much more because it is an inherent part of their framework as to how they view the world. The problem with all this is we understand that our beings are external to politics. I don't agree with what Aristotle said, that human that man is a, a political creature. He is not a political creature. We are not political creatures. Politics arises incidentally, but it is not inherent to our nature. Just because we can talk does not mean that we would necessarily organize certain systems and institutions to do certain things. We happen upon those conclusions. We happen upon wanting to organize certain systems to do certain things through the faculty of reason and deduction, through looking at the world and seeing what the world poses towards us, through those things, not because of this sort of abstract thing of man being a political creature. But for many people on the left, we are creatures shaped by society. It's, a, it's an idea called social constructivism, the idea that society shapes who we are. That's, that's the idea. It's the idea that interactions kind of shape who we are. And to a certain extent, interactions do give definition to our character. But there's something greater than the human world. There's something greater than just the, the interactions that I have with people that gives me something that does not require the assent or the cosign of another human being. That's the problem with a lot of left-wing ideologies. They don't get that. They see people strictly in light of their identities, strictly in light of their appearances and how those appearances have in the past or in the future, depending on their perception, have been perceived by certain forces in any given society. This is also the second problem. Society is seen by many folks on the left as this massive organism that can be prodded and moved towards a certain goal or a certain thing, but in all reality, society is me and you. The fact that you are hearing my voice bounce off of your eardrums right now as a society the fact that you are hearing me through whatever device you're looking at and you're reacting to me, or the fact that you go out there and you donate to me, or the fact that you go out there and you comment on my stuff, that is society. Society cannot be extrapolated to be so big and grand and beyond us. This sort of behemoth of a force that consumes us. No, society, my friends. Society is us. Society is me and you. The brilliant Rosewood Lane said that society happens. <laughs> My God. Society happens when the male boy meets his destination and waves at her or him and gives them their mail. Society happens when you go to the store and you buy something and you interact with the cashier. Society, and Hayek understood this. Frederick Hayek understood this. There's a sort of spontaneous order to all of our interactions in society. But the problem is we have the paganistic and all paganistic means is ideas that don't confer to the truth. I'm not making any value judgments about pagans themselves. I'm saying ideas that don't confer to the proper understanding of those ideas. Well, Christian, how do we understand they're proper? Well, you get there through reason. You get there through looking at them through reason. So I'm going to read this. Rose Lane, a brilliant political theorist who is well-known for being one of the three founding mothers of libertarianism. Isabel Patterson and Ayn Rand are the other two. She has a brilliant uh, word about society in her book, The Discovery of Freedom, which is one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most 
revolutionary text in contemporary political theory. It puts all other political theorists, in my opinion, to shame and just how clear an understanding it is of the human condition. Because you have to understand the human condition. If you're going to make assertions about the science, the human interaction, under the veil of systems. Because there is a veil to things, my friends. There is a veil. There is a veil. And we are kind of ripping the veil away, aren't we? We're ripping the veil away. Corinthians says, Second uh, Corinthians says, um, a lot of the, the people didn't see clearly, didn't see, understand Christ. But in Christ, in God, there is liberty because the veil is ripped. And when the veil is ripped, the obfuscation, the smoke screens, all that stuff dissipates. All of that stuff dissipates and is no longer there. We are ripping ontological veils. We are ripping faucets apart. We are doing that kind of stuff when I go on places like Gothics. But the problem is when so many people are bound to falsehoods, they get defensive because they have internalized those falsehoods to mean everything about their reality. Plato understood this when he talked about the cave. The cave is happening right now. The cave is going on right now. But instead of it just being a select group of people who are doing this socially, even amongst the people who are in the cave, there's infighting. Oh my lord. It's, it's all about how much they can reduce. There is a war between these people, how much they can reduce the human experience to social conditions. So I was blessed when Gothics brought me on to talk about this. I was blessed beyond belief. Because guess what? These words, these conversations need to happen. These conversations need to happen. So let me read a little bit from Rose Lane. Because I know we're coming up on time a little bit. Rosewood or Lane, she says, this is in chapter 3 of her book, The Discovery of Freedom, page 12. It's called The Living Authorities. That's a chapter name. She proclaims, The great majority of human beings on Earth believe today that a superhuman authority controls human beings. Italians call this pagan god immortal Italy. Now, for context, she was talking about how things were in the 40s. This book was written in 1943. <laughs> Uh, Germans call it the German race. Communists be began to believe that history is its name, that history is not a mere record of men's acts, but a power that controls men's acts. Oh, hold on, man. Hold on. How similar does that sound to the pretension that we hear from a lot of left-wing actors today? How similar does that sound? Oh, we have to atone, they say, for racism by reparations, even though not a single slave, not a single person who was a slave, is living today. Not a single white person who enslaved anyone is living today. But it's all about using his history as this sort of organism, this sort of force, this sort of Spinglerian sense in binding us, binding our destinies, binding who we are to history. And not understanding it as a record. Because history, my friends, is simply me recording what happened in the past or someone else recording what happened in the past. This is some pensive fire right here, guys. I'm serious, man. We need to break these falsehoods right now. There is so much wisdom contained in these texts that can really rip these falsehoods apart. Well, she goes on to say, 
The god, this authority that people presume controls them, has many names. Society. Society is responsible. Society must provide. Etc., etc. And she goes on to say that experience, empiricism, contradicts this a priori nonsense. She says, whatever the intangible authority is called, it cannot be seen, felt, nor smelled, nor heard. When a man musters courage to act against or without its control, it does not strike him dead. It does nothing whatsoever. From this experience, the believer rarely concludes that his God does not exist. He merely changes his name or his idea of how it works. So we continue to adopt these notions of these forces controlling us to fit whatever narrative comes about our lives. That's what we do. Or that's what some people do. She is describing the disposition of a lot of people on the left today. Then she mentions society explicitly. In chapter 2, she mentions communism. She says... Many kinds of insects and some animals seem actually to be controlled by an authority outside themselves. A honeybee, for instance, behaves as a cell behaves in a human body. A bee apparently has no desires and makes no choices. A will of the masses seems to control it. A bee is ruthlessly exhausted, discarded, replaced by another to be worn out in the same changeless labor for the swarm, just as cells are worn out and replaced. It appears that a bee has no individual life. The swarm, the swarm is a living creature. So the bee itself is nothing but the swarm, the society, the collective, the group, the community, all of these false concepts, they are the ones who control and operate you according to this mindset that Roslyn is just blazing white into and just ripping apart with reason, just ripping apart with the pen. The nearest human approach to the beast form is communism. Some sociologists say that society began in savage communism and developed through barbarism to civilization. Others expect society to reach its final perfection in future world communism. To think of human society as an organism, developing, progressing, or retrograding, is to think like a bee, if a bee thinks. It is to think as a pagan thinks. It is to imagine a fantasy. So to see human society as an organism, with all the traits of an organism, as a living, breathing thing, as a singular mass, is to engage in falsehood. And she actually explains why this is so. And we're going to see why this is so when we come back from the break, because we're coming up on break in a few minutes, actually in under a minute or so, a few seconds. Again, if you like my content, my friends, this message is dynamite. We need to get this out there. A lot of folks say I'm passionate. I'm more than just passionate, man. I'm bringing intellectual fire, brother. This is not just passion, man. This is this is some logical truth right here. We have to get this out there. We have to, my friends, because our political discourse is replete with mundanities and banalities. We're going to break them, my friends. So please subscribe to us on every platform, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Subscribe to me on YouTube, Christian Watson. Donate to me if you can at PayPal officialcwatson.com do whatever you can share this episode do whatever you can to get this message out there because we are going to break these intellectual barriers 
down. And we're going to have our revelations, I promise you, my friends. So I'll see you guys on the other side of this break. Hello, my friends. Again, welcome back to Pence Pogs, Mr. Watson. Thank you for coming back to the break. So as I was mentioning before the break, Rose Lane is talking to us about society and why it is a fantasy to imagine society as this giant organism. And so she goes on to say that, to, that in the human world, there is no entity but the individual person. There is no force but individual energy. In actual human life, the only real society is every living person's contact with everyone he meets. Let me get back. Whew, let, me read, let me read that again, okay? In the human world, so amongst the human beings, she doesn't say society, amongst human beings, the sort of ontological truth for Rose Lynn about us being human beings and us operating in a particular space that we call a world. In the human world, there is no entity but the individual person. Oh, yeah. Because every single uh, every single idea, every single institution, every single community or group emerges from the fact that there are individuals um, that exist. It emerged from the back. Now, does that mean that we're all separate people that have no interaction? Of course not. But what it means is that these, some of the things, some of the constructs that people put out there about people and groups cannot exist without the individual first being a, a sort of qualifier of that um, force. So far as society has any real existence, it exists when boy meets girl, when Mrs. Jones telephones Mrs. Smith, when Robinson buys us a cigar, when the motorist stops for gasoline, when a lobbyist tips a bellboy, and when the bellboy, he, meets a congressman, and when the congressman votes on a bill, when the postman delivers the mail, and the labor bosses discuss a strike, and the milliner brings another hat, and the dentist says, wider, please, human relationships are so infinitely numerous and varying every, every moment that no human mind to begin to grasp them all. This was the idea of spontaneous order that Hayek eventually manifested in his social work. But I, <laughs> I believe that Rosewood or Lane came before Hayek, at least her work did. So this lady was saying all this stuff. This lady, I doubt she even had any connections with Frederick Hayek. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, Frederick Hayek is a famous economist who has influenced, influenced many libertarians and people and many conservatives who believe in limited government and free market economics. And Frederick Hayek published The Road to Serfdom, his seminal book, his magnum opus, many people think. He published that book in 1944. Rosewood or Lane published what I'm reading in 1943. Rosewood or Lane was way ahead of her time. She was way, 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 way ahead of her time. That's just wonderful. My lord. But so, what are the implications of this idea? Well, these are the implications of understanding society in its proper place. 
is to believe that my destiny is not molded by social factors, that my being is not constructed by social factors. I am not, as Aristotle would say, a political man. I am just a human being that is beaming with liberty and freedom because liberty is a part of my being. Liberty is manifested and evidenced by the fact that I am, that my, that my words are flowing to you from this microphone to your ears. That's liberty right there. The fact that I can talk. Liberty is affirmed by every single action you do. It is an all-encompassing, omnipresent force. We have to internalize that understanding of liberty because it exists. It is ubiquitous, meaning it is everywhere. This is not just rhetoric. This is evidenced by reason. One of the biggest criticisms that I get, people say, Christian, you're well, actually, it's supposed to be a compliment, but I see it as an underhand remark. People say, Christian, you're so passionate. Oh, okay, thank you. But how about the force of my arguments? How about the force of my arguments? Passion is one thing. But if my arguments were to mean nothing beyond the passion, there would be a problem, wouldn't it? There'd be a serious problem. Don't tell people they're passionate. Tell them how good their arguments are. Tell them how good their arguments are. Because the passion comes from the fact that I do my best to understand these concepts. And my understanding of these concepts animates me, makes me the kind of person to go out there and revitalize things and and do things and and say things and that is what that is what christian watson is concerned about that is what christian watson is trying to do so forget passion man passion is wonderful this is about ideas this is about good arguments And so after my interview with Gothics, which is the con which is the topic of the conversation, after my interview with Gothics, I distinctly remember what happened. A lot of people have come to the Pensive family. A lot of people have come to me through my YouTube channel. And so allow me and, and we've by the way, before Gothics, we were like a thousand one thousand and thirty subscribers. We are now seventeen hundred. We are like we're seventeen hundred and sixty. 1,760. We're, 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 we're about, we are about to completely and utterly breach. We're about to completely and utterly breach 2,000. We're going to breach 2,000, my friends. And I am so excited, man. You have no clue. But the goal is also to get the following that looks at me on YouTube to also watch my podcast. Because this podcast here, my friends, is the essential ingredient to my entire brand. The YouTube channel is great. The channel is an introduction to the more deeper stuff because here I go in very deep about things. I talk very deeply about certain things. Because I can go on for about 49 minutes here. On YouTube, I limit myself to about 7 minutes or 8 minutes or at most 17 minutes. I don't like to go beyond that. 
but the visual medium is more appealing than just hearing someone, which is why initially I had my podcast as a video. But I figured, look, Christian, the labor here is very intensive. It's very extensive. Why don't you just do your podcast as audio and use your videos to funnel people towards your podcast? That seems like the most logical answer than just going ahead and continuing to do the video monologues. So that's why you've seen the change. So the change was twofold. I am getting ready for my the Bull TV thing. And again, we are brought to you by Bull TV Network. Thank you so much, Bull TV. And I'm also getting ready um, to revitalize the, the, the presentation of my content. So when you guys follow me on this podcast platform, when you follow me on YouTube, you help me. Thank you. You help me a lot. You help me a lot. So we also, there's another new thing as well I should mention. Um, we're also on the Fed by Ravens Media Network, which again, if you guys don't know who they are, they were the people who took me when I was a dejected, scared boy after I had been kicked out of a program. I will not talk to you guys about, I won't talk to you guys about it, but I'll say I was, I was graduated from the program. And after that point, I felt so scared. I felt so hurt. I felt so lonely. I felt so, I just didn't felt as if I have any, anything going for me. But Feba Ravens came along and said, you know what, Christian, we see potential in you. We like you. Come on our network. And it's going to be a year very soon. We have just been chugging along. We have just been chugging along. I have been producing content. I have been sending things to them. It has been nothing short of a godsend. So if you guys don't know the Fed by Ravens network, please just type in Fed by Ravens Media into Google. Um, go to um, go to the App Store or or Google Play and type in Fed by Ravens Media. And please listen to the app. Listen to the app. My show comes on every night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But of course, you can also get my show on on demand on Apple Podcasts or Spotify whenever you want to listen to it. But please, guys, listen to the Fed by Ravens Media Network app. Listen to the app. It is going to be one of the best decisions that you've made in your life. I promise you. One of the best decisions that you have made in your life. Listen to the app. Listen to the app. I'm going to stop beating that dead horse. <laughs> but just listen to the app, man. I'm sorry. I'd say it again. Because they mean so much to me. They're like family to me. And speaking of, of family, I, I want to create a pensive community. Because it's one thing for me to be on YouTube speaking to the crowd. It's another thing for me to be interacting with people and making them feel that they know that they are valued and they are loved by me. Because I don't care who you are. I fall in love with every single person I meet. Unless they do something incredibly distasteful, which then in that case, I I, I, I try to help them. If they don't want help, then no. Eh. But I fall in love with every single person, every single person that I meet. On both a platonic level and uh, sometimes a romantic level. So... I show nothing. I spread love. I pour love out onto all of you. 
And I want you guys to interact with my content in a way that is greater than just listening to me preach to you. I want you to talk to me. I want you to help. I want you to grow with me. I want you to help me grow. I want to help you grow. I want you to help me grow and I want to help you grow. So if that's what you want, if you want to grow with me on this pensive journey, there is a link in whatever platform you're listening to right now. There is a link to the Discord channel. Discord is a basically a, a social network app that you download on your phone or your computer, and you can basically use it to talk to people either through voice or through text, and you can also use it to get into certain groups with people and chat with them that way as well. If you want, my friends, if you desire to chat with me, if you want to chat with me personally, or if you ever want to come on to one of my live streams, I'll mention that in a moment, then just please, I urge you, download Discord on your phone or download it on your computer and click click, click the link that is in the description and you will be taken to my server, my little area. You'll be able to join it immediately. So that is in the description. If you're watching on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you're watching, it is in the episode description of this podcast. I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. Also, Another thing. See, see, the brand is just expanding, my friends. It's just expanding. The brand is expanding. Another thing. I will... I, I do things called live streams every Wednesday. Every Wednesday from about 3 p.m. to whenever I feel like I want to get on. Every Wednesday. I do a live stream on YouTube.com. I go for hours. My last live stream was five hours long. And in the live streams, it gives me a chance to talk with you guys personally. Sometimes I will gum on with topics. Other times I will not. It depends on how I feel. Um, the last live stream I did, I just t- I talked with you guys, and you guys gave me topics. So I love that as well. Again, I'm doing all of this stuff, and if you guys can just help support me in addition to supporting the podcast by liking, by rating us on all platforms, by commenting, you are blessing me by doing that. So you can find my live streams 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, YouTube.com, Christian Watson, Wednesday. I didn't mind yesterday on Tuesday because I just didn't want to do one on Wednesday. I wanted to uh, save that for something else. I wanted to, because I had a free day. I had a free day on, on Tuesday. So I said, okay, just do one on, on, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. Yeah, so. So vaccines. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about news at the end of here because I am just, this is something that's been on my heart. Again, I this is basically a marketing episode. So thank you guys so much for listening to this. Um, but the vaccine. So Fauci recently said, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is the folk hero of, of the left in so many areas and so many, which is odd because Dr. Fauci is simply a man who's at the, at the head of a, of a, a government organization that monitors diseases. He should not be a folk hero. He's been seen as a folk hero because many progressives think that science is the ultimate qualifier for truth. But as I mentioned in an article on MarianWest.com, science in absence of ethics is useless. Science in absence of ethics is impotent. Science in absence of ethics is not is not good. Science in absence of ethics is definition is essentially has no applicability in any moral system. Science in absence of a ethical framework is a no-no. And 
that principle is demonstrated by a lot of Fauci's opinions. Fauci was completely willing to let Americans be shut down and locked down under the threat of force with curfews for a very long time, all because the quote-unquote science says it. But is the science going to be what makes value judgments about the course of our own lives? Does the science override the moral truths that are important to making determinations within the ethical framework of the American experiment. Does the science do that? I dare say that the science alone cannot do that. Science can help us make ethical decisions, I think. But it can't tell us what they are. It can only help us, again, if it is informed by a sense of ethics itself. The science, for example, would say that stem cell research is perfectly okay. Even if you're using tissue from a life. The science would say, well, you could eliminate cancer this way. So, it looks at the consequences. It's a sort of consequentialist framework. But someone who has an ethical understanding of human life will say, hold on, hold on, back up. This is not proper. But Fauci is seen as the saint by a lot of progressives. So, Fauci just said, and Business Insider Support is reporting this. He said this a few days ago, on the 22nd. Vaccinated people shouldn't die indoors or go to the theater yet. So, the goalpost has been so consistently and constantly moved, my friends. First, the, the, the idea was, okay, you have to socially distance. Fine, okay. Okay, wear a mask. Well, first it was, don't wear a mask unless you're a, a high-risk person. Then it was, okay, no, we got more information. Now wear a mask. Okay, wear the mask. Okay, we now we need mask mandates. And then people are saying, well, look at South Carolina. Mask mandates worked well. No. Lockdowns worked well. No. What worked well is the fact that people decided that they were going to stay distance and stay inside. And that could have happened independent of compulsion of force. But anyway, we did that. Then it was, okay, once the vaccine comes out, we could be back to normal by ne early next year. Okay, the vaccine's out. Millions of doses are being administered around the country. We're getting, and, no. Now it's okay. We may not be back to normal until early next year. Now it's okay. You're vaccinated. You shouldn't. You, you, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't go indoors anymore. That. They, the goalpost keeps moving. And look, it's not, it's not that I don't think that science needs to be a, stase, a force of stasis that never develops. Science must develop. But the question is, if you're going to be making policy prescriptions, which have an immediate effect and can have effects that last beyond the temporal framework in which scientific advice is applied, you have to have a level of moral clarity and certainty to what you're saying, and a level of simply strategic certainty. The strategic certainty that Fauci is lacking is that he's not being consistent with his previous messages. He's speaking and shooting from the hip. Instead of waiting and saying, you know what, I don't have a clear idea of what to do, ergo, I will not make a recommendation. And 
to his credit, in some instances, he's done that. But in this one, he's not. Also, the question becomes this. Fauci is also saying you have to wear a mask after being vaccinated. If you have the vaccine, and it is pretty effective, the vaccines have very high effective effect efficacy rates. Why is it necessary? Why is it necessary? Necessary. Israel came out a few days ago and said the, the Pfizer-BioNTech shot stops the spread. This is from Bloomberg. The, a, a, an Israeli group did a study, and there was 89%, 89.4% effective, the Pfizer shot. It was effective at preventing laboratory-confirmed infections. This is from Bloomberg. According to a copy of a draft publication that was posted on Twitter and confirmed by a person familiar with the work, the companies worked with the Israel's health ministry on the preliminary observational analysis, which wasn't peer-reviewed. And although it wasn't peer-reviewed, we have had study after study saying, hey, guess what? This stops the spread. And the Israeli authorities are now saying that the Pfizer vaccine are 99% effective at preventing deaths. So again, there's a lot of factors. And there's the, the herd immunity factor. There are so many factors, my friends, that are not being expounded upon by the Fauci medical establishment. And if they are, they're not being utilized in a very, very, very effective way. It's obfuscation, equivocation, all kind of things. And there's also the racial component to this, apparently. A lot of people believe that there, that there is disparity between African Americans and everyone else because of some structural issue with African Americans in the medical establishment, when in all reality, a chunk of African Americans don't want to take the vaccine. But they chalk that up. They chalk that fact up to mere racism, to historical determinism. What did Rose Lane tell us earlier? They view history as a living, breathing thing, not as a record. They view history as a living, breathing thing, not as a record. It's just the truth. WebMD, I said it. February 2nd. This article right here. 5.4% of black people compared to 60% of white people received the first dose of the vaccine. And those vaccination rates, those disparities, are clearly substantiated by the fact that so many African Americans are just hesitant. They don't trust it. 
my friends, we have to begin viewing things beyond some deterministic narrative and actually looking at the facts. Falky cannot guide you to the promised land. Sterile science with no deference to moral truths cannot guide you to the promised land. If you're going to be pensive in the next few days, think about this. Think about this very hard. Because my friends, I'm concerned that we are letting technocrats steer us towards a direction that eschews reason and embraces vain servility. But, as Yoda said to Luke, luminous beings we are, not this crude matter. We're more than that, my friends. Use your luminousness to make an enduring change. That's my message for today. Think on it. As always, my friends, I love you. If you love me, please follow, subscribe, like, go everywhere. Search Pensive Politics on our podcast and rate it there, please. YouTube, follow me there. But as always, my friends, please, I love you and stay pensive. Bye-bye.